Hey, we are back in our Book of Acts series, two weeks back in, and we're in Acts chapter 19. So since you brought a Bible and a notebook, go ahead and grab your Bibles, turn with me to Acts 19. And I've titled the message, Our God is an Awesome God. How many of you remember that song from the 80s, 90s, right, by Rich Mullins? Come on, everybody. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns. Let's go. From heaven and earth with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Okay. That's one of the first Christian songs I ever learned. Y'all sounded great. We're holding choir auditions right now for Christmas choir. And you're mostly in it. Um, that song is great. It's a simple lyric. Rich Mullins wrote that. And it is one of the most classic, now famous, contemporary. In, in the days when Christian music was moving from hymns to what became Christian music, uh, that was one of the founding songs of this whole era of music. And it still stands as just, an, just a great anthem that we need to believe that again, everybody. I mean, when's, we need to believe again. And my goal today is that we leave our service with a conviction that our God is still awesome. Our God is amazing. He is worthy of praise and adoration and our awe. We throw the word awesome around too much. You get a new car, that's awesome. You get a new puppy, that's awesome. Tennessee beats, come on now. Tennessee wins again, that's awesome. <laughs> Great week, I'm just saying, it's great. Awesome people's on a bye. So technically they had a win too, you know what I'm saying? But the word awe should really be reserved for God. That we're just in awe, we're enamored, we, we have a reverence and a fear for the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the work of the Holy Spirit, for who God is. He is awesome, worthy of our praise. Look at me, God is still good. He is faithful to be faithful. He is powerful. He still saves people. He still transforms people. He does miracles. He heals, restores families. He sets captives free. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. I have a number of times in my walk with Jesus that I can look back and I can say, I've seen the awesomeness of God. I mean, we sang that song this morning. I get emotional even thinking about it. All my life you have been faithful. And I think of 10-year-old knucklehead me and then 11-year-old knucklehead me and 42-year-old knucklehead me. And I just think of how God, even before I was serving him, was sparing me and walking with me and kept me. And I, I just remember times in my life where I could have died, I could have gotten in some real trouble. I caught a field on fire one time, y'all, for fun. I mean, it's stupid. But God kept his hand on me I was like, nope, 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 not gonna let you go, not gonna let you die. Well, that was dumb, I'm gonna forgive that, you know, all my life. Listen, all of you have that story. You know why? Take a breath. All your life, he's been so, so good. You're still here, you're still living. I remember the first time God used me to pray for someone to be healed. I was a skeptic, I was a logic thinker. I'm like, I don't know about that, I know doctor. I was an 18-year-old baby Christian, and I laid hands on a young man who had this massive abscess tooth. He couldn't close his mouth, couldn't bite. And I just put my hand on his face. I didn't know what else to do. And I just prayed this simple prayer with one eye closed and one eye open. I'll never forget. I was like, <laughs> I mean, I was so sketch about it. I was like, yes, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's going to work. And God healed that boy instantly and he immediately gave his life to Jesus Christ. Man, I just remember. But you know what? There's been times I've prayed for people to be healed and then I did their funerals. 
It didn't always happen that way. I remember times when God, I would plead with God, speak, Lord, speak, and radio silence. Just, and then I'd get in the word and he'd talk to me. And then I remember a couple of times the Lord speaking to me in very profound, powerful, and personal ways. I'll never forget as a college senior, exhausted, engaged to my wife. I was begging God about my future. Am I going into ministry? Am I going into music? And I was alone on a field, uh, walking from my car to my dorm room. It was a Sunday night, and I was a choir director at this church, so I had two Sunday morning services, one Sunday night, and I'm walking back to my dorm in my suit. Come on, we had to wear a suit. I mean, you sleep in a suit at this church. It was old school. (laughs) I'm walking across the dorm. I'm the only guy on campus in a suit, and I'm walking across the intramural fields, and this happened to me, and I can't explain it, and look, you guys just have to trust me that it happened, just like I'm going to tell you, and I'm walking across the field. It's pitch black. There's lights, you know, around the campus, and I could see, but I was just so desperate for the Lord or for God's clarity. And I get alone in the middle of this intramural field by my, my apartment, and I say, God, would you just, I put my bags down, I said, God, would you just rain your presence on me, just standing alone in the field? And it started raining. Water. <laughs> and I remember going, that was clever. <laughs> I said, rain, R-E-I-G-N, God, you know, and he's like, so then I was like, this is a true story. Then I, like five seconds, I go, God, if you stop the rain, I'll know you're here. Gone. Stopped instantly. I was like, okay, I'm going to my room. (laughs) Picked up my bags and I walk off the field, bone dry everywhere. Didn't rain anywhere else on the campus. God did that for me. There's been other times I've prayed to the Lord and, no rain, just wait. I've been corrected by the Lord. I've had those times where I feel like God's sitting in my driver passenger seat going, hey, those are not fun. How many of you know good fathers correct their sons? Yes. Hey, parents, correct your kids. Get them off them screens. Look them in the face, play some games, correct them. Tell them their friends are terrible if they need it. <laughs> Be a good parent. I just, all of those things collect into this narrative for me that God is awesome. The story of our church is a story of an awesome God. Started from nothing with a leader. Five years later, we get to be pastors here and we were so broken and hurt and far underwater. And now we're, we, we give away literally 15 times a year what we brought in the first year I was pastor. We give that away. I mean, how good is our God that he provided? Our soccer field is a testimony of God's provision. Getting into our building was a financial miracle. Watching God heal people, restore families, deliver folks from addiction. Our God is an awesome God. But you know, there's also ordinary days with God. If you look at the liturgical church calendar, like 280 of the days are called ordinary. It's just normal. Get up, brush your teeth, go to work. Not every day is a mountaintop experience. Some days are just driving to work, getting stuck in traffic, getting in the car line, having a fight with your spouse. Not so miraculous Christian living. But the miracle there is that even in the ordinary supernatural, the the supernatural presence of God is with us. The same spirit that brings you on a mountaintop is the one who walks with you in the valley and on the side of the hill and he takes you to work and he's with you and he's revealing truth to you and he's teaching you and convicting you and empowering you by grace to live for him even in ordinary times. 
Our God is so awesome. He's good on the mountaintop and he's good in the valley of the shadow of death. We get to walk with God every day. He's not distant. He's not far. He's not angry at you. He lives in you. He wants the best for you. He wants to live in you. He wants to equip you. He wants to serve you and serve through you to be a blessing to other people. I'm so thankful that we serve a good God. He doesn't have tempers. He doesn't get emotional like we do. He doesn't withhold his goodness. He's awesome. Let me just ask you, do you have an awe and a reverence for God? When's the last time you just sat with God and was like, man, you're so good. Wow, you're so good. And that's what I want us to come away with today. If you do nothing else, by the end of this message, be, just set a 30-minute window in your calendar this week to just sit with God and revere the Lord. Write out 50 things that just make you respect him more and love him more. Do you expect to hear from God? Do you expect that God will hear from you? Do you believe that God will answer your prayers, speak to you through his word? Listen, I want you to understand how good our God is. As holy and perfect and wonderful as he is, he's given you and me all the time access to his throne. You have an all the time audience with the king of kings. What if we believe God again? What if we seek the power of God again? What if we pursue God in a way that we expect God to speak and move and bless again? As we get back into Acts 19, I just see the awesomeness of God. I see his power. I see that he does this really weird thing. And it's the only time he does it. Man, some of us, we, we, get, uh, we, we like to put God in a box. We like to put him in constraints and tell him how to do stuff. But today we're gonna see him do what he wants because he's God and he can do anything. In fact, that's where we're starting in the text today that God can do anything. You know why? Because he's awesome. Because he's cooler than you, he's smarter than you, he's bigger than you. He don't think like you think, he don't move like you move, he's awesome. Watch what happens. So Acts 19, let me just back us into the text again. If you remember last week, we saw the Apostle Paul preaching. Are y'all encouraged yet this morning? I'm encouraged already. I haven't even preached my sermon yet. We saw in Acts 19, the Apostle Paul preaching in Ephesus. And some of the guys were taught the gospel. Uh, he had to correctly teach the gospel because they were following John's baptism instead of the Christian baptism. And, and he, he teaches the gospel, they believed in Jesus, they were baptized, and it said the Holy Spirit came on them and it miraculously gives them language of tongues and the ability to preach and prophesy. Even after miracles and successful ministry, Paul kept going, he goes back to the church, he, kept, he keeps preaching the world boldly, he's reasonable, he's persuasive, and he doesn't waste time on haters. How many of you know haters gonna hate? Hey, 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 shake it off, keep going. So. Then the very next text, by the way, Paul's ministry is so amazing. Miracle, miracle, jail. Miracle, whooping, beaten, riots, prison, miracle, miracle, preaching, salvation, miracle, jail, killed. Anybody want to sign up for ministry, by the way? It's a great life. It's just always crazy. Verse 11 picks up in the story and it says, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Need to underline that whole sentence, by the way, because this is key to understanding how great our God is. And God was doing extraordinary miracles. Who's doing the miracles? Through who? Yeah, who was doing them? Was Paul doing them? No. God was doing extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul so that, watch how crazy this is, handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and evil spirits came out of them. That's weird. 
I don't care what you say. That's weird. That's bonkers. That never happened before in the Bible. You go, where'd you learn that trick, Paul? God can do anything because our God is awesome. He can even use a snotty handkerchief to bring healing on somebody's life. Now, this passage is nuts. Notice the text starts. However, let's give some clarity. The text starts with God was doing extraordinary miracles. Don't ever get it twisted. Listen to me. God is the one who does miracles. He might use people like Paul, use people like you and me, use people like your pastor, but God is the one who gets all the credit, gets all the glory. He's the one that does the miracles. Never, 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 listen to me, never put your hope, your trust, your whole heart into one of God's servants. No, you follow Jesus, you trust God, you trust the power that's working through them, but it's the power ultimately of God. He's the hero. Man, we, we like to follow faith healers and prophets. No, 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 you follow Jesus. Don't ever follow a person, you follow the one they're talking about. John the Baptist had it right, come on. John the Baptist, when Jesus came on the scene, looked at his disciples and goes, behold, the Lamb of God who takes upon the sins of the world. That's the guy y'all need to focus on. And any pastor or teacher that's worth his salt knows to point people to Jesus, not to himself. Don't follow me, follow the God I follow. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Now look, this is the only time in the Bible God does this. Why? Because God can do anything. This is the only time in the Bible God used handkerchiefs and aprons to heal people and deliver them from demons. People wanna read the Bible and get a formula. Well, they laid hands on them. Well, they cast them out in Jesus' name. Well, they said this formula. Yeah, throw a hanky on somebody. I mean, it's just weird. It's weird. And it's not even about the weirdness of what he did, it's about the goodness of our God who did it. It's important to understand this. Just because God did this here doesn't obligate God to do it somewhere else. This miracle with handkerchiefs and aprons was unique. It never happened before. It never happened again. I just like the story. It's funny. It's crazy. It's like, okay, God, you're getting creative again. But don't, but, but don't, like, like, don't try to make it a pattern for God. Listen, there are people on TV ministries that will try to sell you aprons and handkerchiefs. Don't buy that craziness. Just seek the Lord, not a handkerchief. If you want a handkerchief, I'll let you borrow one, but don't believe it's going to heal you. You might clean your face off, you know what I'm saying? Two things I want you to realize from this passage so far. God can do anything. And God doesn't have to do it the same way twice. Sometimes we get so discouraged with miracles because God does something powerful for one and then God chooses not to for another. Y'all heard a story about God speaking to me in a soccer field. And you're like, I wish God would do that for me. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. You know all the things God did for them people in the Bible? He ain't never done none of those for me. He's never split the river down, Red River, so I could chase a deer, walk on dry ground. Like, he never did that for me. There's something, God can do anything, but that doesn't mean he has to do it every time. Sometimes we get discouraged. God does something for one and not for me. God will heal someone from cancer and another person dies from cancer. It can be really challenging to comprehend. And we wanna make God fair. But listen to me. God can do anything he wants to do and God will do only what he wants to do. Don't get discouraged by what God doesn't do. Rather be encouraged that we serve a God who's so good, he'll even heal people with snotty handkerchiefs. How great is our God? Miracles are about how great our God is, not about how much we need. You know, there's times in the Bible where 
Even Jesus, like in John chapter four, I believe it is, when, when he comes to this pool, of, it's called the pool of Bethesda. And this is a pool where uh, invalids was the term in the Bible, paralyzed people would come and they'd lay next to the pool and they would wait for the spirit of God to stir up the water. Now this is great, they don't, this doesn't even happen anymore. I've been to the pool. And it doesn't happen this way anymore. But they would wait for the spirit to stir the waters and the first person who was paralyzed that got in the water or sick would get healed. God just was like, because he's creative, he's like, I'm gonna heal people like this for now. And Jesus comes along and it says the whole pool was covered with paralyzed and sick people, right? Waiting for the waters to be stirred. And Jesus walks by everyone but one guy and says, do you wanna be healed? And that guy goes, uh, duh, I'm at the pool. You know, like, that's the way I read the Bible, Mike's international version. And you know what Jesus didn't do? Is heal everybody else. He healed the one. I don't know why. That doesn't make him unfair. That makes him amazing that he stepped through the crowd to do something for somebody. Man, isn't our God good? Miracles are about how great our God is, not how much our needs are. Listen, God was doing extraordinary miracles. And, and we have heard... Just let me tell you some of the stories we're hearing on these trips we're sending out and the ministries we're doing. We've heard stories of, of we, Stephanie shared a story with a lady in her small group, has a small business herself, and she began to tithe. And the first time she ever tithed, 10% of her income to the Lord, that same day, within 24 hours, she got more clients than, than she could handle. And it was more, it replaced the money she gave quite a bit. God supernaturally replaced it immediately. We've heard of marriages fully restored. We've had couples get divorced, fight it out, and then God heal them and they remarry. That's a miracle. Pastor Mike Campbell shared a story of a trip he was in Africa just a month ago. There was a six-year-old boy who came forward for prayer. He had never heard or spoken a day in his life. And when they laid hands on him to be healed, his ears opened up and he began to speak for the first time ever in his life. That happened a month ago. That still happens. There was a woman that had a tumor the size of a fist, visible to everyone, that God literally dissolved and removed instantly in front of their face. That happened one month ago. Pastor Don shared with us the friend of his who had cancer. He was totally covering his whole body. The scan of his body is just insane how much cancer is everywhere. Doctors projected eight rounds of chemo, and then they'll try again, reassess, and see how he's doing. After two rounds of chemo and a ton of prayer, he was completely cancer-free and totally healed. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. Listen, sometimes God does miracles through medicine. How many of you know medicine is a miracle too? The fact that we even have this stuff. Somebody thought, I'm gonna go pull a root out, scrape it down, boil it, powder it up, make a pill out of it. That's crazy miracles right there. That is the uh, complete guide to medicine making, by the way. <laughs> Grab a root, scrape it down, boil it. That's it, just drink it. Sometimes God will heal you through medicine. Sometimes God will heal you instantaneously. Sometimes God will heal you with death and new life in heaven. That's the greatest miracle of all. Listen to me. Sometimes God will use hankies and aprons like he did in Acts 19. Sometimes God literally spoke through a donkey in Numbers 22. If you want to make a pattern out of God and you go buy a donkey farm, go talking to him, you're crazy, not God. You know what I'm saying? God can do anything. He spoke through a donkey. He literally floated an ax head in water in 2 Kings 6. And the greatest miracle ever, God raised Jesus three days dead and rose him completely from the dead to save you and me. The greatest miracle of all is that God saves us. Can I hear an amen, everybody? 
And listen, you may never receive a financial, relational, or physical healing, but if you've received salvation, you've received all the miracles you ever really need because your eternal life is in the hands of Almighty God. But let me just caveat this. Listen, ask God for miracles. Don't stop asking God for miracles, but don't seek the miracles. Seek the God of the miracles. Seek the God of the miracle more than the miracle. Listen, if all you do is seek the miracle, I need God to come through, I'm believing for breakthrough, I believe, if he doesn't come through, what happens is we get tempted to grow bitter and angry at God because we're really seeking the hand of God and not the heart and the face of God. Our God's an awesome God and he deserves our praise and our worship even if he doesn't do everything you demand. Ask for miracles, ask God to heal, ask God to restore your family, but seek the Lord more than you ask of God. The very reality, listen, this is crazy. The very fact that you and I get to seek God is a miracle. Every other religion teaches a far off distant God who doesn't love us and is just judging us and waiting for us to mess up. We serve a God who says, come here. Come here, son, come here, daughter. Says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Did you know every time you turn your face to the Lord, he turns his face to you? That's miraculous. How awesome is our God? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? Man, I'm encouraged. So ask the Lord for miracles, but seek the Lord more than that. Second, I love this, and this is a throwback to the 80s. You can't fake the funk. Some of y'all know that song. Y'all remember, this is back in the like mixtape days. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Recorded off the radio. There's an old rap song. Just if you don't know, I, I can't help you. But I didn't know what else to say for this part of the message, but this is what happened. We got some hypocrites trying to fake the funk. Watch what happens, verse 13. So, so this miracle happens. Uh, handkerchiefs and aprons, touched the skin, carried away, healed the sick, drove out evil spirits. Verse 13 says, then some of the itinerant, which is traveling minister, the itinerant Jewish exorcists, so they're not Christians, they're Jews, and they're, they're doing like spiritual warfare, but in, in, in Jewish dark arts, actually, it's witchcraft oriented. Some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook or started to invoke the name of Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Now look, they're faking it out, right? They don't love Jesus. They're not surrounded, surrendered to Jesus, but they found and observed that the name of Jesus is more powerful than their names. And the things, so you know what they did? They just take the name and make it a part of their bag of tricks. They got potions and oils, anointments, and then the name of Jesus. This is exactly what's happening. So these guys are itinerant Jewish exorcists, and they're invoking the name of Jesus. So bizarre. These guys are trained exorcists of a, of a, of a, a, a dark part of the Jewish tradition. It's really crazy and evil. There's obvious animosity against the Christian faith, but there was no denying the power of God being done by God through Christians in the name of Jesus. So they start hustling the name of Jesus. And they're using it, pimping it out with no belief in him. It's interesting, honestly, listen to this. How awesome is our God? That the name of Jesus is so powerful, even unbelievers can be effective with his name. That's another reason our God's so awesome. He's not picky about his name being powerful, but it don't last for long. These guys were fakers. They were posers. They were hypocrites. They had no intention of being fully devoted followers of Jesus. And it caught up to them because they're counterfeits. Watch. It said there were seven of them, these itinerant Jewish exorcists, seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva. Anybody looking for a boy's name for your son? There's a Bible name, Sceva. <clears throat> seven sons of Sceva, they were all doing this. But what's, this is crazy. 
But the evil spirit, now they come upon apparently a guy with an evil spirit. And the evil spirit spoke to these boys. Seven brothers, sons of Sceva, Jewish exorcists. Look at this. The evil spirit answered them. They said, we adjure you by the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And the devil goes, I know who Jesus is. I mean, even though the devil always knows who Jesus is. And he goes, and I know Paul. I mean, even though the devil knows when you're in alignment with the Lord and you're walking in victory and power, you're a threat to the devil too. But look at what the devil says next. Who are you? Yeah, I know Jesus. I, I got the name you dropped. I know Paul. That's another name y'all dropped. But who are you guys? I feel like the devil's going, you got to be kidding me, right? So interesting. These seven sons trying to misappropriate Jesus' name. And it's it's humbling to me that evil spirits know when we are living as fakers. The demon had respect for Jesus, had respect for Paul, a genuine man of God, but literally goes, who do you think you are? I, I, I wanna say something really hard here because I'm your pastor and I love you. I think sometimes we're trying to get God to move, but we've not let God move us. Like we're trying, to, we're trying to demand things of God, but I think even the devil's like, like, who do you think you are? Are you even devoted to this Lord you're calling on? Are you sincere in your belief that Jesus is the Lord of your life? I don't ever wanna live in a way that demons can mock me or question my integrity. Listen to me. It's one of the greatest criticisms of Christianity is that we're hypocrites that were fakers, that were posers. And I'm telling you, listen, I don't ever wanna live in a way that unbelievers can mock us or that demons can question our authenticity. No way. You and I can't fake our devotion to Jesus. There's no power in pretending. There's no miracles in masquerading your faith. We are called to authentic devotion. This is one of the miracles God's given us. How awesome is our God? We get to do life with him every day. And we don't need to dial it in and fake this out. You know, one of the, how many of us believe in the Ten Commandments? Please raise your hand if you do, right? Yeah, all of, but no, none of us can quote all 10 of them, so there's an assignment for you. I believe in them. I don't know what they say, but I believe in them. Commandment number three in Exodus chapter 20 says, you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. And we've taught that to say, don't say God's name in vain. He didn't say, don't say it. He said, don't take it. Don't you take the name of God. Don't you ascribe the name of Jesus to your life and live outside of his name. Don't you say, I follow Christ, but live like the devil. He said, you don't take my name vainly. You don't, like, like in a marriage, you know, my wife and I, we, we carry a brand and a name as the Burnett's, Mike and Stephanie, and I'm not gonna live in a way that tarnishes that name for her. And Jesus is saying here, God is saying in the Ten Commandments, you don't take my name vainly. You don't take my name and live like hell. And the devil is on full alert when we're trying to fake it out. But how many of you know you can't fake anointing? You can't fake the funk with God. You and I should never take his name vainly, live outside of his, well, I follow Jesus, but I live like I want. No, 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 don't be a pretender. And it says the man in whom the evil spirit leaped on mastered all seven of them, overpowered them, so they fled out the house, whooped up, butt naked, and wounded. That's a bad day. How many of you think that's a horrible Tuesday? because you can't fake the funk. And listen to me, guys, 
If we're trying to live this life half in and out, faking it, pretending, you will live life defeated and whooped and beat. It's not the life God has for you. The miracle of our awesome God is you get to walk in victory. You get to have life overflowing. You get to have life to the full. And you get to live authentic and honest before the Lord. Now listen, you and I are never called to live perfectly, but we are always called to live honestly and authentically in full devotion to Jesus. Jesus, I know. Your pastor, I know. Who are you? I don't ever want that to be brought back to you by anybody. Can I hear an amen from somebody in the house? Finally, this is great. I love this story. I just think it's so fun. How great is our God? I love that God shows us this spiritual warfare dynamic where those of us who try to fake it out lose. That's what happens with these guys. By the way, I'm sure they had opportunity to repent and I pray to the Lord that they did. You know what I'm saying? But I love this. At the end of the text shows us God's power still prevails. We got this crazy apron and handkerchief story and miracles. Then we got these guys getting their butts kicked by a man with a demon. And then we see God's power prevailing and winning. Watch what happens next. In verse 17, it says, this became known to all the residents of Ephesus. Look, this story got out. The tweet went viral. And I think the whole chapter is the story that got out. I'm talking the right gospel, people speaking in tongues and prophesying. We're talking about the seven sons of Sceva, Paul preaching the word boldly in the synagogue. All this stuff collects down to this verse 17. This became known to all the residents of Ephesus. Can I tell you one of my prayers, Life Point, and First Baptist, and Living Hope, and Faith Outreach, and Bethel. Can I tell you my prayer, Mosaic? is that we would live with such power and authenticity before God that everyone in Clarksville wouldn't have heard. This would become known of the God that we serve and the gospel would go to everyone in our city. Insiders, outsiders, Jews and Greeks. And look what happens. Remember I said our God's an awesome God. And fear, this is the word we get all. Reverence, holy fear fell upon everyone. Can you imagine if our city had an awe and a reverence for God? It's because the church is alive with the power of God and authenticity before the Lord. Everybody in Ephesus had a fear of God and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Many of those, watch this reaction, because they lived authentically and honestly before God. They weren't perfect, but they were full of the spirit. They were full of the power of God. And their whole city came to faith. Watch this. And all these people, many of those who are now believers, all these people are hearing the gospel. They're becoming believers. Watch this transformation. They came confessing the Lord Jesus, divulging their practices. Man, I've been living in porn addiction. I've been living in sexual sin. I've been living in witchcraft. I've been living in sorcery. I've been living in greed and lust and all this gluttonous things. I've been living, and they're divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts, this is witchcraft and darkness, they brought their books together and they burned them. Now this was not a seance, this was not some dark spiritual, this is them going, I'm never going back to that life again. They took all their sorcery books and all their witchcraft stuff and they put it in a giant pile and burn it. It's like when Elisha comes to follow Elijah, he goes, let me go kill the, the ox and burn the, burn the plow so that I know I can never go back to that again. See, a lot of us wanna live a life where we go, I'm gonna come to Jesus, but I'm gonna leave my whole life on the shelf. 
because I had some comfort in that life. Them old friends of mine, they're, they're ride or die, man. I've been knowing them for a long time. I'm going to keep some of that, but now I'm going to sprinkle some Jesus dust on it. No, no, no. We got to burn that stuff. We got to confess it. We got to divulge that stuff out of our life. Watch what it says. The value. Many of us don't want to pay the price to follow Jesus. Watch what he says. They counted the value of the books in the burn pile and it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. How many of you today's market would like 50,000 pieces of silver? Let me tell you how much that's worth. 200 years of wages. It's 50,000 days wages. Take your, your pay times one day and let's do 50,000 days of that. That pile, that fire was so valuable, but it paled in comparison to the value of the new life these people have in Jesus. 200 years worth of day's wages and they burned them. Man, when God does the miraculous, it's so his name would become greater. Why did God use hankies and aprons for this? Why did God let those seven sons get whooped by their, the demon they're trying to, when they're trying to pimp the name of Jesus? Why? For this. Because when that got out, man, everybody came to faith, divulging their practices and confessing and repenting before the Lord. And they paid the highest price of burning it all and saying, I'm all in with Jesus. Can I say to you, church, listen, we serve an awesome God who will meet you on the back end of your burn pile, who will meet you on the other side of true repentance and devotion and a life in him. Man, the response of this whole encounter was all about this one thing, that people would come to faith and go all in with Jesus. It wasn't about building Paul's ministry. It wasn't about an offering. In fact, the 50,000 50, silver pieces worth of stuff could have made a great offering. But the greater opportunity was to burn that whole life and get it out of your way. Man, we've just made so many things. We've tried to make them formulas. We wanna sell prayer cloths and make everything about money and the brand of a minister. Man, let's make Jesus awesome again. And let's make life worth living with Christ again. And let's make the cost of following Jesus everything again. Man, it's all about changed lives. God's an awesome God. He took these dead people and made them alive. From filled with witchcraft to filled with the Holy Spirit. And many times we read stories and hear about miracles and spiritual warfare and we go, why does God do that? Why does God do that for them and not for them? Ultimately, God has one mission in this world. It's to seek and save lost people. You know one of the major reasons God does miracles anyway? It's not for our comfort, it's for his kingdom. So if you're begging God for a miracle, Make sure that it's not just about your kingdom, it's about his advancing. And then look at it, finally, it says this. So the word of the Lord continued. I love it. Paul's just back to ministry. I mean, can you imagine a 50,000 silvers pile of sorcery books? That's an amazing revival service. And it's like, well, I gotta go preach, so I'll see y'all tomorrow. The word continued to increase and prevail mightily. This kingdom is advancing. I'm telling you, our God is awesome. He wants to change lives. He wants to use you. He wants to transform those you work with and those you live with. And God is still changing people. He's awesome. Man, he will use miracles to draw people. He'll use the miracle of your life with God to draw people. I had a friend just recently tell Stephanie and me, he's in his 60s and he said, I've never been a religious person. Never wanted anything to do with God. And just in the last couple of years, he said, I'm seeing there's something going on some force at work in my life 
And he says, I'm saying on social media, I'm telling others, man, I'm so blessed. I'm so thankful. And he goes, my, my friends and family are going, what's wrong with you? He goes, I don't know. I just, something's happening. And I look at him, I was like, I can help you with that. I got a story to tell you. I praise God that the Lord has never done changing lives, changing hearts, changing people. So as we end this service, let me just, let me just give you a couple takeaways here. Did y'all get anything out of this word today, Acts 19? Great. Listen, ask, ask God for miracles. Ask God to speak to you. Ask God to meet you on an intramural field. Ask God to heal your mama and them. Ask God for miracles, but seek Jesus. Don't seek his hand, seek his face. Don't just ask for his provision, ask for intimacy. You know, one of the miracles may be God walking you through the waiting. I was talking to one of my best friends last night and and some pain going on. It's like God could have fixed the pain or he could have walked you through the pain. There's a miracle there too. Seek God, ask for miracles, but seek the Lord. Second, can we grow in honesty and authenticity in our devotion to Jesus? I don't need any one of you to be perfect. If you're perfect, you're Jesus, we're gonna worship you and you're gonna wreck my church. You're gonna ruin it. If you're perfect, you're gonna ruin it. We need people to be messed up, jacked up, but be authentic and honest in your devotion to Jesus. God, I'm all in. I give you my, I'll go where you call me to. I'll do what you tell me to do. I'll live in a way that pleases you. Finally, trust that God and his gospel still changes lives. It's the greatest miracle ever. Can I hear an amen from the church today? Come on, let's pray together in a moment. Our campus pastors will come and take it online and at Austin P. and And our prayer team is coming at every location to pray for you. If you need prayer for a miracle, if you need prayer for God to move in your life and in your family, we wanna keep asking the Lord for miracles. We're gonna seek the Lord together first. Can we open our hands to the Lord? Come on, everybody around the room. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for what you did in Acts 19. We thank you, Lord, that you are an awesome God, that you still change lives, you still transform people, you still heal, you still redeem, you still, God, you still wreck people's lives and turn them to faith in Jesus Christ. We thank you, thank you, thank you, God, that you are good and faithful and active among us. Lord, we are so grateful that every time we turn our face to you, that God, you turn your face to us. You said, draw near to you and you will draw near to us. God, we are so grateful for how awesome you are. Lord, you will change us, transform us, heal us, redeem us, forgive us, deliver us. And God, you will be present with us. So Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that every one of us would experience the miracle power of God, the presence of Almighty God in Jesus' name. Can you pray this with me and just believe it with all your heart? Say, God, I believe in Jesus, that he is the son of God who gave his life for me and raised from the dead so that I can live my life forever for him. Say, God, I receive your salvation. I accept that you've forgiven me. Now pray this and mean it. God, I'm all in. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm yours forever. The greatest miracle of all, I'm home in Jesus' name. Amen, everybody. Come on, let's celebrate today. Praise God.